Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are back in studio. It's been a little while. Today is going to be a little different in studio right now. We just have Shauna and myself. Jeremy's out. We have him remotely and we also have a special guest with us, Trey Grant, and I'll introduce him here in just a moment. Shauna, how are we doing? Good. I'm excited to have Trey on today. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So uh, we've been talking about um, having listeners, you know, chime in and and give us some questions, things to talk about, things to discuss. And so one of our listeners um, had reached out to us, Michael, and he asked if we'd be addressing the issue of systemic racism and injustices in America. And uh, we had reached out and followed up with him and told him we would, uh, but that it would take a little bit of time because we needed to find somebody who was well-versed in this, uh, not just getting our position, but also somebody who uh, not only is also uh, in pastoral ministry, but who's also, you know, in the front line, so to speak, and and in other areas of ministry, which Trey is. And so Trey Grant is pastor of the Well Church in Keller, Texas, which is a diverse community worshiping Jesus together as family. And he's the founder of the Specs Movement, which is an active ministry of the Well Church, where the purpose is to create healthy engagement around race in order to deconstruct perspectives that produce racism. And their hope is that really that these engagements will in turn produce anti-racist transformation. Trey, welcome to Speak the Truth, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. That was a mouthful. I know. <laughs> you can't add anything to your credentials because we won't be able to... <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, we Trey again, man, it's it's great to have you on. And I know you're uh, you're here in Keller with me. I'm a pastor at, a, at another church in Keller as well. Uh, discipleship pastor and Trey. Uh, we, we go back a little bit, have a little bit of history with some people that we know. Uh, but Trey, I wanted to we wanted to bring you on because I think to answer Michael's question, um, you, you can do that probably most appropriately. Yeah. But again, glad to be here and, and look forward to our conversation. Good. So could you just kind of tell us a little bit about the Well Church and then get into uh, just really kind of uh, the, the Specs movement, uh, which is a pretty active, obviously, in, in terms of what's been happening here recently. A little bit about your church and then just, man, what really kind of, you know, the the origins of the Specs movement and kind of how you guys are involved. And I know you guys have material and different things that people could get into. So, Michael, if you're listening, which I'm sure you will be at some point, um, the Specs, uh, you can go to the specsmovement.com. I believe it is, right, Trey? The specsmovement.com, yeah. Yep. And they've got material. You can reach out to them and uh, follow up as far as the material. So, um, you want to just share a little bit about that? Uh, sure. So, uh, as you said, I'm, I'm the pastor, uh, founding pastor at the Well Church. Keller planted the well about five years ago for the purpose of being a, a Christ-centered church, of course, being a church that is very active in the community, um, meeting needs in the community, but also um, an intentionally diverse church. Uh, most churches in our country, as you know, are homogenous churches. I think even somewhere teetering between 90 to 87 percent of churches in America are homogenous churches. That means they're either white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches, Asian churches, etc. Very few of our churches in America are actually intentionally, intentionally diverse. And, and, and what that means is um, diverse with respect to their elders, diverse with respect to their teaching team, 
diverse with respect to their pastoral team, their staff, diverse uh, in terms of the music they sing, the culture they create, um, and, and diverse in terms of, of course, uh, attendees. And so uh, that is something that we are, are very passionate about because we, 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 we don't just believe, we know that heaven is diverse. When we, uh, when we get to heaven, uh, as, as we read about in, in Revelations, um, there will be people there of different ethnicities, of different backgrounds, uh, worshiping Jesus together in one. And so that's, we want to be, to the best of our ability, uh, a, a glimpse of heaven on earth. And so it's one of the reasons we planted the well five years ago in Keller. And so we planted and uh, we started off in the movie theater, had a great time in the movie theater. Um, the seats were super, super comfortable. <laughs> and um, <laughs> And uh, a couple times we had some people reclining in their seats during my sermons. And um, uh, uh, we had a great time there. Then we moved over to a gymnasium and had been there for the the rest of that time. But recently we purchased uh, a property in Keller and we're in the process of renovating and and, and moving into that space. And so um, so things are going really, really well. We are we have been faithful to our calling of of being Christ centered, of being very, very involved in the community. Um, as well as being um, intentionally diverse. In fact, our our ethnic breakdown is ab- about fifty uh, percent white, forty percent black. You know, the rest is is kind of a mix of of different ethnicities. And so, um, but yeah, so uh, we're, we're having fun, man. We're these are very interesting days for sure, and we're trying to figure out what um, you know. Of course, the church hasn't stopped. You know, we we we're still. We're still having uh, worship gatherings just virtually. We're still um, having our small groups and community groups virtually and uh, helping the community and, and different things like that. Just just not the way that we typically do it. And so uh, these are interesting times where we're definitely learning and, and, and trying to grow within that. When it comes to the Specs movement, um, about four years ago, we started the Specs movement um, kind of in light of... Uh, some of the things, the racial disparities that had been happening in Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, right around the time that some um, protests were happening in Dallas and police officers were shot, um, we noticed how how social media just just went crazy and all these conversations were happening, these arguments, these fights, and we wanted to create a safe place where people could engage in conversation about race. Um, because something I've learned I learned at a very young age. Imagine, uh, I'll say it this way. Imagine, Shauna, uh, you and I are sitting at the table. You're sitting across from me or Michael or Jeremy, whoever. We're sitting We're sitting at a table. I'm sitting across from you. I have a piece of paper in my hand and I, um, I write a large number six on that piece of paper. And I look you in the face. And of course, you're sitting across from me. And I tell you, it's a number. this is a number six. Well, of course, your response is going to be, no, it's it's a number nine. And we go back and forth. No, it's a six. No, it's a nine. No, it's a six. No, it's a nine. It's not until I get up and see from your perspective, uh, you get up and see from my perspective. Uh, it's not until then that you can see why I see that as a six or why or, or, or I see why you see that as a nine. Mm. And um, one of the reasons we created the Specs movement is to is to help people see 
from different perspectives to get out of their comfort zone um, and see from different perspectives because birds of a feather flock together. I mean, naturally, I am most comfortable around people who look like me, dress like me, think like me, vote like me, believe like me, uh, look like me. I don't know if I said that. Um, naturally, we're, we're, that's the way we're wired. And so if, if, we're, if we're not intentional on being around people who are different than us, then the only perspective we continuously hear is, the, is one that mirrors our perspective. And it gives us a very broad way or it gives us a very narrow way of looking at life. And so, um, so yeah, we we uh, we started uh, the Specs Movement uh, for for that reason, um, as Michael said, to, to uh, create healthy engagement around race in order to deconstruct perspectives. There's some deconstruction that has to happen in our lives in order for us to to be able to see the world differently and be able to hear different perspectives and to to, um, to to deconstruct racism because we live in a racialized society. Um, everywhere you look, racialization uh, is 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 um, playing a part in in the world, the the very fabric by which this 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 country was created. And, and of course, race the word race is a social construct. I mean, it was created to create separation. Um, but I use it because that's the that's the best word um, right now we, we have for our you know or not the best word but the most known word that we have yeah it's for. pretty it's pretty universal yeah and so uh, so yeah that's 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 what we do really really Trey what I'd like to do uh, really for the sake of Michael's question is just basically take you know we'll, we'll kind of what you just uh, springboarded off there as far as your mission statement is concerned is just that's that's a that's a fantastic mission statement but how do we you know and this is where the conversation can get interesting at the street level right um, so how do we deconstruct that together how, how do we deconstruct those perspectives collectively is it going and uh, peacefully uh, protesting um, basically having, you know, a, basically raising your, uh, raising your statements against, um, what's obviously happening. Um, you know, and it, when, when Michael asked the question and in terms of addressing systemic racism, I think at this point, nobody's, um, arguing that it doesn't exist, but I think the real question now, that, now that this has obviously been taking place for some time, um, and there's all this chaotic narrative in the airwaves and on the news and Facebook and everywhere else. It seems to be a bunch of static. It seems like nobody's getting beyond acknowledging it. How do we move forward, which is why I appreciate your mission statement. What would be a process of deconstructing these perspectives? Well, um, a, a couple of things. I think I think there are there are a lot of people um, who, who believe that uh, racism isn't an issue today. Yeah, there's definitely some um, you know, I, people there, there are a lot of people who, if you ask them about the things that are happening in our country, you know, they, they want to go to, I don't think those things are race related. I don't think that race is an issue. You know, there are people who say that. There are people who say, um, you know, what's happened in the past is the past and we need to just move forward. And uh, there's a lot of people that have that perspective. And, and again, the reason people have that perspective is because they're not seeing it from other people's perspective. I mean, if someone were to ask me if race is an issue, a significant issue today, I would say yes, of course. And I would have examples. I, I could give examples 
for me, even as a, as a black man or even as a black, um, what some people would call um, successful, yes, yeah, a, a successful black man. I've, I've, I've had the privilege of going to, to college and also going to graduate school and, and receiving a graduate degree. I have um, had the, my, my wife is a, is a doctor. She has her, her doctorate, you know, um, you know, and so in terms of education, in terms of, um, you know, I, I went to a private school gr- growing up. Um, and so some of those experiences um, have impacted me and, and, and I've seen uh, certain things from a different perspective, even to this day as a as a as a, you know, as a a good citizen of, of the city I live in and the city I, I work in having relationships with the mayor and chief of police and council, uh, men and women, um, I still experience racism. I still, when I run down, when I, when I exercise and run, um, in the park, um, I still see people, um, clutching their bag or running in the the opposite direction Mm. because they assume, uh, because of my skin color that I am there to bring them harm. I still experience when I get out of my car and go to the grocery store and I do so at the exact same time um, the person parked next to me gets out of their car. They see me and they wait in their car till I I, I pass them or they see me and they lock their car when they see me. Um, And and I can I can only assume that they're doing that because of the color of my skin, because there's nothing else that they can judge from me by simply looking at me besides the color of my skin. Uh, Neurological research shows that the very first thing uh, that the brain computes when it sees someone for the very first time is not their eye color or their hair color or the size of their nose or what they're wearing. The very first thing the brain computes, and this is this is proven, the very first thing that the brain computes when it sees someone for the very first time is skin color. And and there are certain biases that we all have, um, whether conscious or unconscious, um, when it comes to skin color. And so um, those things have to be deconstructed. Those things have to be dealt with. There are jokes that 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 many people's great grandparents, great great grandparents have made, and then their grandparents have made, and their parents have made. Um, and we've heard those, you know, we've heard those jokes, and they've impacted us in in some way. There's certain experiences we've had in our childhood that have affected us in, in some way. And as a result, we carry those with us subconsciously even, um, and it affects how we engage with different people. And so uh, deconstruction is is vitally important. And, you know, protest is important as well, but protesting without deconstructing doesn't tear down the walls of systemic racism um, that, that need to be torn, torn down. Torn down. Uh, and so for protesting, is a great way of saying, you know what? Uh, and what's happening in our country is people are frustrated. <laughs> Black people um, and white people as well, brown people as well. But 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 Black people um, are frustrated. We are we are frustrated. We are discouraged um, when we look at what is happening in this country. When when I see. Um, uh, a black male um, killed by the hands of the pol- or the, the knee of the police. The very people, the very people who are here to protect us and to help us. It it hurts my heart in a way that I cannot explain, uh, because that's my that's my 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 brother, my human brother, 
And so my heart is hurting for my human brother that I see who is being experiencing injustice. But also I am hurt because that could be me. That could be my son. You know, I've had experiences where I am I am literally moments away from that being me. And so I feel it in a different way. I experience it in a different way. Uh, protesting is a way of saying, I have had enough. I cannot, this is, this has become ridiculous. And um, the world needs to know that this is unacceptable. And so protesting is important. It, it's a part of it, um, but it's it's also Again, it's a part of it. Protesting without deconstructing doesn't tear down the walls of systemic racism that um, that that so easily beset us. No, that's um, good. Just just really quick and part of that, you know, and, and part of that deconstructing even with that is, you know, it even has a biblical precedent to it. In other words, in removing something, you have to replace it with something. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so, so, yeah. so the social piece of it, right, Trey, is, you know, kind of what you're talking about. So in, in, in marching or protesting, uh, what are some other ways that we can deconstruct here? Just kind of the street level, practical, like how are ways that we can get engaged? Because I think, again, outside of what you obviously just shared, uh, but just in some other ways, I think people at this point are trying to get involved and like, in trying to bring the change, you know, in terms of trying to deconstruct that, what would be some other means or vehicles to deconstruct? Um, I think it's 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 always it's using your your or, or looking at your sphere of influence and asking yourself what are ways that I can tear down these systemic the, the, the uh, systemic uh, racism or the systemic things institutions that are in place to hold, to perpetuate injustice for black and brown people. You know, um, you know, when we look at systemic racism or institutional racism, um, it is embedded um, and, and is, has become a normal practice within society or, you know, organizations. And so if your sphere of influence is your church, um, what are things, you know, you asking the question, what are things in our church that are perpetuating um, racism, you know, what are the, if, if, um, you know, what, and, and only, only you can answer that question or right. only, you know, your, your listeners can answer that question. Um, and, um, the greatest way to do that is by being in community with people who look different than you. I mean, you know, one of the, you know, very, very, very elementary level, um, ways of, of moving forward and addressing issues is, um, by asking the question, who sits at your dinner table? Who who are you in community with? Are you in community with only people who look like you? Or are you in community with people who don't look like you? And I don't mean a superficial lunch every once in a while and, you know, hey, let's get coffee. But like fam, like being spending time and putting in equity to be in relationship with people who are different than you. Um, and, and loving them, inviting them into your home like family, treating them like family, listening to them, listening to their hurt um, and their pain and, and finding ways to, to, to help and to, to, to use your influence to, to help. I mean, that's, that's a way of deconstructing um, uh, racism. Um, you know, uh, in, in, when it comes to the medical field, you know, there's, uh, systems in place, even in, in the medical field, there's there's systems in place in terms of education, there's systems in place in terms of legislation and um, and laws, um, prison reform, 
um, you know, all these areas that are producing that organ organizations that are producing um, institutional, um, you know, promoting this uh, not directly, but but um, even indirectly, um, being able to infiltrate those those um, organizations and speak into it and make changes. I mean, I'm, I'm what I'm doing is engaging with, um, you know, I'm, uh, for our city, I'm the um, I'm on the, um, the the chief of police's advisory council, and so we're we're talking on a regular basis about police brutality and and uh, looking at videos and um, giving assessment and speaking into uh, that. Also, um, getting a chance to even speak into um, the hiring and firing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in um, in our city, um, ha- you know. Um, uh, had had coffee with um, a councilman the other day and uh, building relationships there uh, with our council members to help influence, um, you know, legislation and um, different things like that. Even in our school district, engaging in conversations with the superintendent and and finding ways to engage and 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 talk and uh, make a difference there. And so, um, again, it's it's. It's doing the research, doing the homework and understanding what truly is systemic racism, what truly is institutional racism and looking for ways to infiltrate and to to have influence in those areas. I think that's great. I I'm very encouraged by what you're saying, because, you know, when a lot of this was going on, there was a huge piece of me where I was reading these things that were coming on social media and I was trying to, you know, get educated because I'm, I'm really one that is, you're right. It's, it's the community around you. Like how, how are these things, um, you know, what, what, what's really around you and, and that's, what's really influencing you. And so there's a lot, in a lot of ways, I was just really ignorant to a lot of the things that was going on. And I ended up really not saying anything at all, knowing that, you know, I do have a voice out there and I will have influence on what I say. And really, I wanted just to start the conversation, but knew anything that I said was going to really be saying it out of a position. And I wasn't in a place to actually have a position, if that makes sense. And like what I felt like I knew, but then realizing also by not saying anything at all is really saying something right, because I'm not engaging in it. And so that was one of the areas too, that I then felt convicted and 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 where I was really encouraged is just saying just get the conversation going just reach out to those that you know I didn't want any of my uh, friends who are black to think that oh you're just calling me because I'm your token black friend or something you know and I know that sounds tacky but those are like things and thoughts that go through your mind to where when you're saying hey go have coffee with someone or do this how how is it going to be received on the other end do you know what I mean and it's almost like because I overanalyze it or overthink it, I end up not doing anything at all. And so yeah. I'm I'm just encouraged that one, you were willing to come on and, and talk to us about this because I'm wondering if I'm not alone out there where there's other people out there who also want to get involved, but really just don't know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get it. You know, um, you know, this is, this quote has been coined to, to multiple people, uh, W.E.B., Du Bois, uh, Frederick Douglass, but there's a statement out, there's a quote out there that says, um, if you are silent in the face of oppression, you have become the oppressor. Um, meaning that if there is injustice happening around you and you know it's an injustice and you choose to be silent, you become, in, in your silence, you become a perpetuator of that injustice. 
you know, and, and so, um, you know, you know, I, I'll be as frank as and honest as possible. You know, um, what black and brown people need right now, especially from their white friends, co-workers is is for them to not be silent is is for them to to speak up and to say this is wrong this has to stop one of the reasons right now it feels like some people not a lot of people but some people are experiencing justice and people who have done wrong whether they're police officers or or whomever are beginning to see some kind of repercussions for their actions is because people are speaking up and, and not just black people but but white people as well are, are speaking up and and the, the voice is getting bigger and it's force is forcing legislation it's forcing um, conversations to take place uh, that in the past just would not take place, even though um, black people were screaming it from the mountaintops. And unfortunately, it takes it takes um, multiple people. It takes it takes a, a village to, to, to make change. And so greatest thing that w- white people can do right now um, as a as a first step is to is to educate themselves so they know what they're saying, but to say it with confidence and not worry about what other people will think, because ultimately, if it's true, if, if you're speaking if you're speaking truth, biblical truth, um, scripture tells us to, you know, to seek mercy, to, to seek justice, do justice. Um, you know, we, we can read scripture that talks about um, how God, you know, fights for and goes after the least of these, leaves the 100, leaves the 99 to, to, to go for look for the one. It doesn't mean he doesn't love the 99. It means he wants to, to you know, has to go and get that which is lost. And, and speaking up is, is so important. I mean, so right now, social media is is um, is one of the, you know, because we're kind of quarantined to a certain degree it's 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 a great way to speak up but it's not the only way and and there are there are a lot of people who are who are speaking up on social media just like if someone were to reach out to me and say hey trey i want to hey man i want to i want to get lunch uh and then we sit down and get lunch have a meaningful conversation and then i don't hear from them for another two to three years that is discouraging to me like that feels like you you just want something from me Mm. and you've gotten it and now you can feel better about yourself and go on with your life. But here I am still in this. Mm-hmm. I live this every day, wow. you know. And so I need people with me who will are willing to um, or, or even white people who are willing to to, you know, live in this, not just um, not just kind of dip in and out and, and just, you know, but to live in this with me, that's, that's, that brings me life. That gives me life. That's, yeah, it it totally does. And I think that that sheds a light, not only on my own heart and life, but I'm sure there's going to be several people listening. That's going to be encouraged and, and how to walk out in this. I think there's a lot of my silence that was out of fear of saying the wrong thing. I don't want to add more offense to the situation. Right. And so even as I'm reading the, the different, the differences of what is on social media, I totally agree. I think, there's people that are writing articles and have all these opinions um some might be wise some not but then they're not really putting anything into action in their own influence and circle around them like we all have influence and yeah and so it's just how are we actually stepping out in that 